conversations and connections, community building, refocusing resources, re-education, healthy living, strong relationships, and safe spaces. The All Things Black podcast is committed to the onward advancement of creating positive narratives and presenting black news and perspectives that will help create meaningful dialogue with practical solutions. I am the host and the producer of the show, Daryl. My mission is to help tell stories of black lives through the art of podcasting. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast. Welcome to your podcast. Welcome to your world. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation, or other people call me Daryl. And it is time for another episode. And as usual, I have a wonderful and very powerful, phenomenal guest, Arthur. Uh, she has all types of titles, which we'll, we'll be discussing in this uh, specific episode. Before we get started, though, I'd definitely like to thank the listening audience for sponsoring, for listening to, for sharing the content, for like, for letting everybody um aware or making everybody aware of this particular podcast. Again, this is a labor of love. I do often talk about various subjects and have different guests on the show. And with that being said, we're going to get right into it. This wonderful lady hails from New York City. Um, born and raised, I believe. She'll correct me uh, if I'm incorrect. And uh, yeah, she has a number of accolades to her name. One of which she, I believe it's the pie. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? The pie award uh, for the city uh, in, uh, in New York. And she has helped a number of homeless uh, and HIV AIDS patients, things like that. And uh, she's just, you know, really helping and aiding in that particular uh, space. Uh, it seems like there's a, a lot of love there and just the willingness to want to help as many people as possible. And from that, she actually co-authored a book, which we'll definitely be able to get into. And her name is uh, Sandy Jarvis. Uh, Sandy, can you come forward and just say hi to the uh, audience really quickly? And then we'll get, uh, we'll get started and get into some of the questioning. Oh, okay. Um, hello. Uh, my name is Sandy Jarvis, and I want to thank you so much, uh, Daryl, for having me here today, um, you know, to talk about, uh, you know, my career <laughs> and my book. I appreciate that. Absolutely. As you can hear, she has that wonderful New York accent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's very distinguishable. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I live down here in the Atlanta area, and there's a lot oh, of transplants. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of transplants from New York down here. And it's interesting because it's interesting because a lot of them when I talk to I can I can immediately point out the accent and then some will be you know they'll be taken aback like wait a minute I thought I got rid of that accent. <laughs> you know, because, I'm like I never knew I had an accent you know oh, yeah. so I've been I've been hearing that for the longest you know oh, especially yeah. yeah I went to school in Dayton I mean in Ohio and I heard that so often. Oh yeah it's it's just certain words that you guys pronounce where you can you can really tell what that you guys are from New York. It's just it's very distinguishable among any other of the accents. It's just like when you come to the South and people that are born and raised in the South, they have that twang at the end of each word that they say. It's like, yeah, we we can tell you from Louisiana Louisiana, Mississippi or something like that, right? <laughs> I, I know, I know. Yeah. That's so cool. yeah, yeah. But it's 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 beautiful though. I mean, like I say, I I can always pick up on it. And um but yeah. Absolutely. So Sandy Jarvis, um, born and raised in New York. Uh, we're talking a uh, dealing with the homeless services uh, and uh, HIV AIDS patients. Uh, you're talking about uh, financial benefits, helping people with financial benefits, health care, mm -hmm. evictions. Uh, we're talking about uh, housing and, and the right. like. Right. We're talking right. about a lot of that. And then the fact that you also won this, uh, I believe it's pronounced the Pi or is it the PAL Award? PAL. Yeah. PAL right. Award. Right. Uh, right. And, and is, it, was that something that was recent or is that something that, uh, what, what, what year did that happen? Oh, you know, you know I actually, you know, retired in, um, one month before COVID 2019. 
Uh, but I did, you know, receive an award from um, the commissioner, you know, for um, helping the homeless, um, you know, uh, be placed in affordable housing. Uh, that happened, um, I think that was like in maybe 2016 um, that I received that uh, award from the commissioner, Steve Banks. Of Steve New York. Banks. Mm -hmm. That must have been a one heck of an event. Um, I'm sure you didn't necessarily know that you were going to get that award. I mean, prior to getting the award, they probably told you about maybe some comp some type of nomination or the fact that uh, you have been recognized. But your work leading up to that, you probably had no no idea. How long how long how long were you in that particular field, and what led you up to working in that in that field? Believe it or not, I was in that field 40 years. <laughs> and, um, you know, it had a lot to do, you know, when I was growing up with my grandmother. She was such an advocate for the homeless. You know, at the time, you know, I didn't appreciate it. But, um, you know, she worked as a housekeeper, but she extended herself and her home, you know. So she would uh, help, you know, cook meals and and um, she provided a place to stay for the homeless. And, you know, she was she worked uh, directly with, you know, uh, people in prison and writing them letters to try to help them get out. And and I, and I just was amazed that, you know, um, my my grandmother, she wasn't like a you know, well-educated and, you know, she, and she didn't make a lot of money, but, um, she really extended herself, you know, to help the homeless. Okay. So she just had it in her to right. be a person that would be able to do that type of service and just, uh, help, you know, those that might be deemed less fortunate. Um, right. You yeah. Know. Okay. Yes. And so you yes. kind of picked up on that, just, just being in proximity to her to see some of the things that she's actually doing and then just, you know, picked up on the fact that, you know, she just wants to be a person of service. You know, I just want right. to be a person of service and, you know, lend as much as I can, you know, as possible to people that, again, might be a little bit in, 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 in need. Did you have any formal education or anything like that that uh, helped you along the way uh, in order for you to do some of the things that you did? Um, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I attended Wilmington College in Ohio, you know, I earned my degree in psychology. And one thing, you know, when you work for, um, you know, HIV AIDS, you have to attend the academy at Fordham University. And it's very extensive, the training is, uh, um, you, you do a lot of role playing and, um, you know, because you deal with people from several different backgrounds, you know, so the academy at uh, Fordham um, was really well equipped with helping you to deal with, you know, uh, the homeless. Okay. Okay. So formal education, uh, a, a woman of service, uh, wanted to do what she can possible to help as many people as possible to, to, to do that. So you, you dealt with people of all walks of life, um, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yes. assuming. Okay. Yes. And that kind of, that kind of, how, how did that age you through, throughout your um, tenure and then also your own walk of life? How did that help you out? You know, well, you know, like I said, you know, um, it, 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 uh, you know, it, it helped me, you know, not, not, not only, you know, for, um, at any time we could be in that situation, you know, and um, we're so quick to judge. And, mm. um, you really have to be, it showed me that I have to have compassion. Like I was, you know, like I said, my grandmother, because, um, actually, you know, I grew up with no siblings. I was a little spoiled and, um, I didn't see that, you know, type of life, um, until, you know, um, I was around my grandmother and I, um, um, you know, uh, working in the shelters, uh, especially you, um, not only just you deal people, you know, coming from prison, um, you know, uh, uh, people that, you know, they lost their homes and, uh, you know, people in substance abuse, uh, you know, uh, domestic abuse, you know, I mean, so you meet people all walks of life and they're sitting down and they're telling you their story. Um, uh, for some reason, you know, when I was thinking about this interview, I remember um, that there, there was this um, one man um, that I had um, met and um, he wanted for some reason, you know, well, I don't I don't know if he had a, you know, mental health uh, background, but he wanted to be evaluated by the team. 
And that day he really was irritated. And um, he sat down, he spoke to me and he was telling me, you know, that um, he really needed to talk to someone. And um, because he felt like he wanted to hurt, he wanted to hurt people. And he actually had a 38, mm. he had a gun mm. on him. And, um, and I, I, I didn't, you know, um, I said, let me just, you know, you know, <laughs> stay calm here, you know, cause I don't want to accept this, uh, upset, you know, first I didn't believe him into, until he showed me the gun and I was like, well, how did you get in and out of the shelter? Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, you know, they just let me go in. And I think they, they looked at the guy was very small, but matter of fact, he had left Atlanta. This this was back in the eighties, and he shot someone. And and what happened a lot of times, people come in the shelter not to be funny, but to hide. And um, so he came mm. in the shelter, but he really wanted to like uh, get this out of you know. And he was telling me that um, he didn't want to really hurt anyone, so he gave me the gun. And the funny thing is about it is like I don't like your supervisor. I I really want to shoot him. And I was like, no, you don't wow. want to do that. You know, but I let him know that, you know, he's he's going to be arrested. You know, I did let him know that, I, you know, because he told me that uh, I I can't remember all the details. But, you know, as far as what happened in Atlanta, but I know that, you know, he told me that he shot someone. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, you know, so I mean, that was I was like, oh, my goodness. But for like I said, I stayed calm. And I said, well, you know, he handed me, you know, the gun, the bullets and everything. <laughs> he handed me over the weapon. And, um, you know, he, he was not, you know, I, I think if um, I if I said if I was busy and I'm not able to talk to you, I think the situation would have just. It would have escalated probably. Right. Yeah. Right. Right it, away. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we have to sit down a lot of times, you know, people come in there when they come to the shelter, they don't want to. One thing you have to do is listen, you know, and, um, and like I said, I don't know what happened with the team that day, but he was really just irritated. And I just, you know, I said, sit down, you know, they'll be back later. And he said, no, I got to talk to somebody now, mm. you know, so, um, uh, you know, that happened. Um, I was working actually at uh, Bellevue, the assessment shelter, and it still exists now, you know, and um, uh, the case managers are so overwhelmed. You know, a lot of times people just don't have the time that happens to. So and and, and, and that's what I was going to kind of get to the fact that. Because I remember growing up, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a healthy age. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'll put it like that. I'll put it like that. I'm a healthy age. And I remember um, that first and foremost, you did not have you had a, you had enough, but it seemed like they had enough case workers or social workers or whatever the case may be to go around to handle the caseload. And then after years went uh, went by, they kind of eradicated some of those positions and then doubled the caseload or tripled the caseload on the existing workers that was there. So, so yeah, so you're, I, I believe you're right. If you can, if you can kind of speak to that. And then if that is the case, then yes, people that were seeking some type of help, some type of assistance, whether it be financial, whether it be mental health or something like that, the doors seem to consistently shut on them or maybe people just didn't give the ear that you were talking about just to be able to listen to their story. Cause it's not, when people get to that, that level, it's it's the fact that a lot of times people have not listened. They have not yes. sat down. They have not tuned in to what the people are trying to say. And most of the time, people are just li really looking for some type of assistance, some type of aid, and it's a cry for help. So, I mean, is, was it was it kind of like that in your experience? Was the case load was the case loads just completely insane? Where you guys just did not have uh, enough staff to adequately deal with the number of people that were coming in? And and again, you're talking about, what was what you said it was like 2016 or so? Oh, right, right. Yes, it, you know, when, um, you know, a lot of times, especially, you know, when, when you know, people leave, uh, they, you, you're just so overwhelmed. And, you know, that happens a lot. And believe it or not, some of the workers are not even equipped um, with, um, you know, to help, um, you know, and, you um, in those situations. Uh, and that, when I left, before I left, I mean, the caseload just, just increased constantly. 
um, because people were just just leaving because the demand, you know, um, got so high and um, that people just felt, you know, overwhelmed. They couldn't deal with it any longer, you know, so um, there was no other choice, you know. Um, you will be like, oh, you, I just got a case last week. Well, you get the next case. You would so often hear that. Well, the next case is coming to you. And, you know, a lot of a lot of times what happened is a lot of red tape. And yeah, believe it or not, yeah. you know, people in that situation, they wait to the last minute because they really don't want to deal with uh, social service. Um, you know, so they exhaust um, every other opportunity before they, you know, come into, you know, social service for assistance. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they, you know, they don't want you, you know, getting into their personal business so often. I say, right. well, I need this. I need you to go to the landlord and get, you know, a letter. And they're like, I don't want my landlord knowing and I came in here for help. You know, do you actually, you know, need that? And I say, yeah, we need that. I need a breakdown. You have to go to your landlord, you know, because they... You know, they they feel that the landlord found out they're coming in for assistance, that they they're 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 going to really, you know, um start paperwork of eviction right. or something like right. that. Yeah. Right. Put put them in jeopardy of losing their uh place of residence. So I totally I totally understand that. And that that's yeah, that's that you know, it's not it, it doesn't sound in most cases that it's for the weak. You know, you have to have a certain level of um you know, a mental toughness in order to be able to handle a, a, a job like that, a, a, you know, let alone the caseloads that come about. Because, again, you're dealing with the red tape that you mentioned. You're dealing with probably probably some of the lack of resources that may end up running out at one point. And then you're dealing with frustrated uh, people that come in that are in need of immediate help, uh, some long-term help. Uh, some crises and things like that. So it's, so you got to have a certain level of mental toughness, it seems, to be able to deal and handle um, a, a job like that. So whatever award that you were given around that time frame, it more than likely was probably overdue and well-deserved because you're talking about 40 years in, the, in, in that particular <laughs> yeah. field, right? Yeah, And then yeah, you're also you know. talking New York City because <laughs> New York City oh, is a yeah, tough cookie, yeah. right? <laughs> it um, is because, you know, what you just said, one of the major problems with being homeless is that there's no quick access to, you know, affordable housing. And um, we try to, you know, um, you know, work with, uh, you know, uh, other housing uh, programs to avoid that because the criteria changes once the person come in and they're looking for a quick fix. And um, you have a lot of those housing programs, they have a length of time for you to be homeless. You know, um, if the person has only been homeless, maybe let's say three months, they go, well, they don't qualify. You know, they have to be what? homeless a year. Yes, you you have. Yes, you do. And they say, you know, I'm not saying all, oh, but some of the, the housing programs, they say, well, no, well, the person haven't been homeless long enough. I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yes, you you do. You know, they require that you be, you know, you be homeless, you know, for six months. When you talk about, you know, one of the famous things is the 80-20 programs. I use, I utilize the 80-20 programs a lot. And that's a housing program that meets federal gui guidelines for the exemption, uh, for tax exemption financing. Like the luxury buildings, they have to, they're required to rent out a percentage of like 20% of the building to the low income. You know, but the mm. problem with that is that okay, they get approved and then they're on the waiting list. Right, right, know? right, right, yeah. right, right, right. You know, and that could take up to upwards of about maybe a year or two. Right, uh, right. Wow. You know, so they're like, I got in, but then they get a letter. It's like, okay, your number is so and so. You know, so we really, they have, uh, we really try to, you know, um, uh, help you know our clients you know, before that happens, you know, but, um, uh, cause you could resolve that problem. It's a one shot deal or rent arrears. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, that's easy that you could take care of, you know, if the person need ongoing rental assistance because they lost a job now and they have no means to, you know, to pay their rent. But like I said, people wait until the last minute because they want to avoid, um, you know, social services. Yeah, yeah, the red tape, the shame, you know, uh, it, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, a lot of people have to, you know, come up under just knowing that, you know, here I lost my job, you know, because most people don't want to, 
you know, live off any kind of assistance or anything like that. You know, people want to work, you know, from my understanding, from my experiences, people want to work, but it's just the fact that, you know, you don't have any other avenues um, to um, mm-hmm. pull from. And then once that happened, it's just like, damn, you know, now I'm in, a, I'm, I'm, I'm in somewhat uh, of despair. And now I have to, I have to now go and under the banner of shame and now ask for some type of assistance. So you're dealing with right. that as well. So you, is, that's, you hit it. You hit it right there on that is so, that is so true. And, you know, you have now the, the senior citizens, they are at risk, you know, because they live on a fixed income. And, um, you know, a, a, a lot of the population now at risk of being homeless are the senior citizens, you know, because they don't, you know, um, when the, the lease needs renewal, they don't have the additional three or four hundred dollars, you know, to pay that, um, that, you know, that extra. That's, 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 that's hurtful, you know, to, mm-hmm. to hear. Um yeah, that's, that's, that's very hurtful to hear because it seems like, you know, somebody should be able to do something and get rid of the the the, the red tape, the bureaucracy, you know, bureaucracy and um, just understand that, you know, if, if these people are nationalized citizens, they've been born in this country, they're Americans, and you're saying that you are serving American people, then it, should, it seems like it shouldn't be that difficult to recognize when somebody is in a dire situation and have the necessary resources and the funds available um, to help that individual out. It just, just doesn't seem like it should be that difficult. Um, now, with that being said, you do have to watch out for some of those that do come in and kind of jack up the system. You know, they they come in and they, they you know, take benefits from other people that are really in need um, of, of, those assist, of those resources. So. Uh, you also got to kind of watch out for those people as well. My my question to you would be this though: Did, did, did the process still is the process still the same even for, for people that because you work with HIV and AIDS patients? Mm-hmm. Is the process still the same for those individuals as well as, as uh, uh, along with um, single mothers and things like that? Is does it seem like it's it's a little bit faster, or is it or is it the same process at the same speed? It's the same process that, you know, you know, at the same speed. And, and like I said, it, it, it also, you know, you, you have to really, um, um, you know, with resources, I, I, myself, I not only worked with, um, you know, resources that were available, you know, um, to the clients I worked outside. So that's another thing you have to do. You have to also, um, be able to, um, to, um, you know, to advocate, you know, for other services, you know, for the clients and um, not just, um, I, like I said, I would utilize the 8020 programs. Um, I work with Catholic charities, you know, with the scatter site and um, uh, uh, city housing and, you know, um, so you have to be able to, you know, exhaust those other programs because, you know, the client come in and we, we have housing, um, but it might be only 50 units and you have 300 people applying for that, that's that, wow. that apartment. Oh yeah. You know, so you really have to like, you know, like I said, I would utilize, uh, you know, every other services, you know, um, uh, not, not just, um, internal, but out, you know, it, Outside, because eighty twenty is not a, a part of uh, that housing program. It's not part of HRA. Um, but you know, our clients uh, uh, they they did um, they were eligible because they were you know low income. And like we have clients that come in, you know, um, that release for from prison. You so I would utilize the the Fortune Society. You know. Um, and like I said, you know, people that can, you know, senior citizens and the senior citizen programs I would utilize, you know, um, uh, uh, Volunteers of America was very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the HIV AIDS patients, did they, for the most part, had to disclose their, um, oh, I forget the word, <laughs> but did they have to disclose that information uh, to you guys? Um, well, you know, well, wh- what happened, it's, um, you know, once they were, you know, released from the hospital or the clinic, um, Don, I, you know, I, I forget, uh, you know, there's, um, 
um, the, the, the med- their medical documentation would be sent over for them to qualify. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So now what uh, de Blasio, it was at a time you, you had to, um, um, you could not just be HIV to qualify because um, in New York City, HASA, that, that program is only actually, you know, in New York City. Uh, but now as long as you HIV, you qualify, you know, to get assistance. Um, uh, so that's, that's one good thing. You know, the clients would have to, um, have, um, like, you know, um, not just be HIV and, um, but that, that change, you know, so that's, that, that helps, you know, a lot. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're, we're going to kind of switch gears, but before we do that, I just got a couple of um, more questions to ask you about that. Um, so recently retired from that particular field. Uh, correct? Right. For the incoming workers, uh, social workers, um, people that will uh, be under that title of assisting, um, you know, local residents, um, things like that. What would be any advice to the up and coming people that want to do any kind of social work? But what, what would be your advice? Because again, you're talking about 40 years of service and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to thank you for your service. The same way we thank our oh, veterans thank for, for their service. You know what I mean? Cause that's a long right. time dealing in, in, in the trenches with, um, with uh, you know, people that are in need, but what kind of, what kind of advice would you give the up and coming startlets in, um, you know, social work and things like that? You know, first of all, this is something that you really have to love doing, you know, helping others, you know, um, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, it, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, when I had went to, uh, attended grad school and, um, you know, people were there and they were, you know, because it's, it's a long-term commitment, you know, so it's, it's something that you really, um, you know, have to, you know, want to, uh, to be a service to, you know, to others. And, um, I, it helps a lot that if, um, you know, you could try to, um, volunteer your services, you know, first that, that helps. Cause when I went to the Academy, uh, uh, at, at Fordham university, uh, that was very helpful. You know, so um, I would, you know, tell the person, if you're going to do something like this, you know, try to get involved, you know, um, uh, with volunteer, you know, the helping the homeless, uh, working at, uh, uh, you know, it could be a church or in the community um, because the experience alone to see can you because it's 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 very um um, how would you say it? Um, pro- probably very demanding, right? You know, right, right. Well, yeah, it's 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 very demanding. It is very demanding, and um, you, it's probably um, very draining too. At, at the yeah. end of the day, yeah, right. And and then you have to know that you know the the type of personalities that you work with, mm. you know, with the clients, you know, because so often some of the clients they come in there and they you know they 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 start yelling and 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 screaming but it's not you you know and so you can't take it personally um but it's something that you really um you know um not not is not book wise you know not just um you know taking up this for the course and I want to study psychology and I and um but it's more than that you know it's about you being compassionate about what you you know you really want to help um so that's that that has to be within you okay mm-hmm. okay okay so definitely compassion um, definitely, definitely put, put yourself yes. in a position where you know your environment. And, and that means, you know, going to shelters, going to, and, and you said volunteering, volunteering for shelters, or maybe right. going to food banks or something like that. Some food type banks. of place where, yeah, where people and, uh, are. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I saw that with me, that with, you know, with my grandmother, my grandma often would take me to the, you know, the food banks and to church. And, and, um, so I, I was able to witness that firsthand you know, and, um, and it helped a lot. And like I said, the training, you know, at the Academy, but, um, um, you know, try to volunteer your services, you know, even at the hospital, 
um, that's that's very helpful because um, I worked when I started with uh, Bellevue. They had assessment program, and um, that helped me a lot. You know, okay. uh, especially you want to deal with a lot of people with mental illness, mm, mm-hmm. and oh yes, yes, definitely you're gonna you're gonna deal with that a lot. So you were doling out a lot of referrals and. Uh, dealing with mental illness and things like that, you know, is that so? So the the point I'm getting at is the fact that you know any any people that want to get into this particular field because I'm I'm assuming that how it was 40 years ago is definitely not how it is now. Um, oh no, you know, oh, no. <laughs> so but, so go, yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah, but you know, like you know, like I said, and um, you you're going to just you know the homeless are not classified and you know just one size fits all. So that's one thing you got to remember. You know, and and that time that people came in, I had someone that, you know, they came in, they, you know, with, um, you know, all, all, you know, all type of challenges you're going to have to be ready for, you know, the uh, the person that will, was released from, you know, prison, you know, someone with a substance abuse program. Then you have another client that come in with, um, you know, you know, mental illness, um, schizophrenic. These are all things that, you know, you have to really um, kind of uh, be ready for when you, you know, when you deal in this uh, arena, I call it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we got some history from you. Um, and again, definitely thank you for doing what you're doing. One one thing I also want to highlight before we get into the part, other part of it is that um, I think you guys definitely need to be paid more. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to shut that door. I'm open that door and shut that door because I know you got a lot to say about it. Oh, but, well, but, no, but, it, it, no salary. <laughs> you, that's, that's the one thing it's, it's, you know, you won't get rich off this. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, man. You, it's, it's definitely got to be a labor of love and, and, and everything. Um mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So, Miss Jarvis, Aunt Jarvis, you transitioned over into writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, so was there a love of writing prior to you publishing your book, which we're going to talk about? Uh, when did you start writing? And um, your, your first work, from my understanding, is this book that you have now. And I believe it's a children's book. So why a children's book? And... When did you start writing, and uh, did you? Um, when did you develop a love for writing? You, you know, um, I didn't set out, you know, to, you know, to be a writer. Um, I love writing, and writing was a way for me to, you know, com- uh, to communicate my thoughts. And um, I was not an outspoken person, believe it or not. I was very shy. Um, so, it, you know, writing allowed me to, you know put how I feel, you know, on paper. And, um, I, um, I started out just writing poetry and, um, it was my mother who actually encouraged me to publish my first book. My first book was called from, from dusk to dawn. And that was, uh, a book of poets, a book of poetry, excuse me. And, um, okay. my, my first book was actually published in um, 97, believe it or not. This is, you know, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and um, that was my first book that I published. Um, and I met several, you know, like I said, you know, challenges. I was going through a divorce. So I have things about that. And, um, you know, I was working with the homeless and I have a poem in there about crack you know, because like I said, a lot of clients, you sit down and they tell your story and I just got really emotional about it, you know? And, um, so, um, that was actually my first book, you know, that I, that I published. Um, I went on to write, you know, children's books, um, because I have a love for children and animals, you know, most of, um, this is my second book. My first book was called, um, it, that I published that in, 2016 that's called key maestro and chuck um, okay that's okay yeah that's the bird and the dog and um the golden kite you know um i published that book really because um you know it it went back to you know my own childhood you know i'm a product of the 60s and um that was the time you know you had to just really be creative and use your imagination and so I had fun memories, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we didn't have computers then, oh, you know. Man. Yeah, no, none of it. None of it. You had to yeah. use your imagination. Right, right. So um, 
Yeah, that's why, you know, it's called the golden kite, you know, um, the golden years I'm thinking of. And, um, yeah, and it is a book about, you know, uh, winning and competition. And, and um, I wanted to, you know, to illustrate how that uh, so often, you know, with children, when it comes to competition, they lose sight of uh, making the right choices. And uh, the challenge, you know, to win is so overwhelming that um, uh, they, um, um, they're, they're, they, you know, they might, you know, cheat. And I wanted to, to illustrate in my book how, you know, cheating is not an option for winning. And Benjamin, Benjamin uh, the rabbit, um, he learns that the pressure to win can have the worst outcome. And he starts out, you know, he wants to win. Uh, he wants to compete in the Greenwood contest and to win a gold medal. And um, he works on his, uh, his own science project. But when he gets a look at uh, Lenny, the bear golden kite, he feels like now he don't have a chance to win. So he has to lin uh, eliminate Lenny from the contest. And um, so he set out to destroy the golden kite, him and his uh, friend Stanley. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, okay. you know. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I'm assuming, of course, you know, it being a children's book, it's kind of a short read, uh, lots of photographs, um, mm -hmm. not photographs, but, uh, um, character, Illustrate. yeah, right. illustrations, right. characters, mm -hmm. uh, things like that, where they can actually kind of match up, uh, who's who, uh, and then, you know, give voices and things like that to it. So, yeah, so, so yeah, man. So, you, so again, so first book was poetry and I'm in, right. I'm in, I'm an avid poetry writer myself i just oh, I, I okay. haven't done it haven't done it in a while you know but i could pick up a pen really really quickly and, and do it mm -hmm. i've been i've been fighting the um <laughs> i've been fighting uh you know trying to get a book of poetry published i've just i've been trying to do it for years and i've just not been successful in doing it mm -hmm. um part of it's part of it's procrastination on, on my end and then the other part is you know, what do I publish, you know, out of the poems that I do write. But, uh, but yeah, so, so it seems that like that may have been the kickoff point or the start. And then you publish the one book before the golden kite. What kind of, what kind of success has the golden kite gotten since it's been published? And, um, are you going to do like an extension of the golden kite? Well, you know, I was thinking about that, but, um, you know, um, one thing, one, you uh, with the golden kite, um, I've been on, you know, several interviews and, um, I have a book signing and, um, in March, nice. um, right. And one thing I was really surprised if you go on, um, you know, it's on YouTube and it's a little, um, little cartoon story. And that uh, I was surprised with that, um, and um, and the book is, is is available in you know uh, several of the bookstores you know like Walmart's and uh, Barnes and Noble, okay, uh, Children Bookstore, and um, of course on Amazon. Um, so that's another thing, and um, um, a lot of uh, you know my my friends and colleagues uh, have um, you know. Um, bought the book and I've been asked to, you know, to uh, speak at, you know, uh, uh, several, um, you know, several places uh, about the book. Okay. That's always a plus. Um, having mm -hmm. it in some of those more larger retail chains and then having uh, book signing behind it as well. Uh, that kind of gives it a little bit more, um, you know, a push behind the fact that you know, somebody has authored a book, um, you know, and tried to give as much as possible, you know, try to give as much of themselves as possible um, mm -hmm. to the larger community. So I, so I definitely, congratulations, ah, I can't even talk, congratulate you on like that. Me. Congratulate you <laughs> I've on been that. so twisted. <laughs> <laughs> but thought, thoughts, thoughts going faster than, you know, when, when you can formulate the words. But uh, yeah, it happens with me. I like that, uh, uh, you know, sometimes. But, um, that's huge, though. So, you know, big congratulations on that. And uh, you're going to have to keep in touch with me and, and let me know how that goes. I mean, I'm sure you got social media pages and things like that. I know right now the link that you do have to 
have access to your book is the Amazon link right now. Right. So right. yeah, so you can definitely pick that pick up. So anybody listening in the audience, you can definitely pick up uh, a copy of her book on Amazon. Like, like she said, it's in most retail chains. It is uh, The Golden Kite, authored by Sandy Jarvis, J-A-R-V-I-S. And uh, you definitely want to be able to help her out and get in the word out, purchasing her product. And, uh, you know, really diving into some of the reasons why she wrote the book. And it sounds like there's a lot of life lessons in the book uh, in terms of, you know, like the competition, like she, like you just spoke of and things like that. And again, I think that those things are definitely uh, needed. How, how challenging was it, though, to kind of find a lane or a space to um, write a book like that and then uh, at the same time get it published? Um. You know, the funny thing about it is that um, I, I wrote uh, The Golden Kite, uh, believe it or not, uh, two years ago. And um, I put the manuscript away. And um, I actually was working on um, another children's book called Dolly the, the Singing Train. And and um, I was doing something I came across and I'm like, wow, you know, this the manuscript is completed. And I submitted it in, um, and um, everything just took off, you know. But for some reason, um, I don't know why that um, uh, I, I I do that, you know. I'll write something that happened a lot with poetry, that I write something and I'll just put it away. But I came across it and I said, "Oh, I finished this. Why didn't I ever submit this manuscript in?" You know. Um, but it was not, you know, because, you know, a lot of times my, my ideas just might, you know, just come from, um, especially, you know, um, uh, you know, working with the, you know, the homeless and, and everything. So, um, around my grandkids, uh, uh, grandchildren. Um, so it was not difficult at all. Okay. Okay. So grand, I just heard grandchildren. So, right. <laughs> how, how, how many grandchildren are we talking about? Uh, three. I have three, three grandchildren. Oh, nice, right? nice. So, uh, now do they get a chance to read the books before <laughs> before they get published, or or how does how does that work? Because I'm sure you want well, them to you know to, to 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 read your works. Right. You know, with this, with the golden kite, you know, uh, most of the time I, you know, I, I, I do before I publish the book, you know, I do share, you know, my thoughts with my grandchildren. But, um, you know, like I said, the golden kite, um, that's that's um, it was afterwards. Um, and um, during the time, like I said, I was still working when I wrote the golden kite and um, I put it away and I, I came across um, and I was working on Dolly the Singing Train. And I'm still working on, 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 you know, that I have to, you know, do some provisions. Uh, and But like I said, the Golden Kite was uh, finished. And I, and I just said, well, you know, I don't know why, you know, why I, I, I didn't, um, you know, publish that at the time. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, but some of the characters were inspired by, like, real, some real-life individuals or no? Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I could be the Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and um, you know, one of the characters is you know, it's my you know, it's my son. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, because he take his time doing things, you know. So you do, you do take characters, you know, like what happened in when um, King Maestro and Chuck. Um, believe it or not, the turtle was actually my husband. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. I I even call him. I use his name too. You know, Ernest. He's you know. I just put it out there like that. You know. So yeah. The, a lot of times, you know, the, your characters are inspired by people you know. Okay. I don't know mm -hmm. how your son gets away with doing things on his own time, living in New York. New York is just a fast place. Uh, place. I mean, if he lives in New York, but New York is just so fast paced. It's like you you know you got to do things. Like quick, fast, and hurry. Like I say, some of the transplants that are down here in Atlanta, uh, some of them say that they didn't like it because it was too slow. They like things so fast-paced, and they've been so accustomed to doing things quick that the slow pace of the South, and again, Atlanta's not really that slow, mm -hmm. but but the slow pace of Atlanta just drove them crazy. So they said that they no longer wanted to be here, and they just took off and went back to New York. 
Wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they they said they couldn't do it. They said it was just too slow. Mm. And I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I've, I've been in slow, very slow areas. So it, by mm. no means is, is Atlanta really slow, but it, it doesn't compare to the fast pace of uh, of, mm. of, uh, of New York, though. Well, you know, my, my, you know, my son actually, you know, he just moved back here, I, I think three, three years ago, you know, he really, um, uh, he really, I think he would most likely enjoy living in a ladder. Um, he moved down to Florida. Um, you know, he stayed there for a while, but yeah, Florida um, slow. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's a, he's a slow character, you know, that's, that's, that's why he's <laughs> okay. uh Stanley in my book. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, um, no, he, he, you know, um, you know, right now he's, uh, you know, because, you know, with COVID and everything, but he was, he was really trying to, um, he got engaged uh, two years ago and, um, they are looking really to move. Um, but right now everything is such a, you know, a standstill, but, um, no, he's, he's, um, I'm the one that enjoyed, you know, New York with the fast pace and everything going on, but, you know, my son, um, he wouldn't mind living that, living in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, and, and to me, Atlanta's like that midway point. Like, you, like yeah, there's going to be some, some some things that are slow, and, and then there's going to be some things that are really, really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nothing like Florida. Florida's Florida's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the only thing that you, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say the only thing, but one of the things you enjoy because I live there too. One of the mm. things you enjoy about Florida is the consistent weather. That's some of the biggest things, like like the, like the sunshine, the beaches, uh, mm-hmm. there's water. Um, you know, depending on where you stay, some of the food is decent. You know, good things like that. But uh, it's, yeah, that, it's yeah. slow. That works slow. for him, though. Yeah, he, like I said, he likes slow. You know, um, you know, but his uh, when he came back, his you know, his, he got engaged and everything like that. But believe me, he's. Um, He's he's not really a fan of uh, New York, even though he was born here. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so we have the book of poetry. We have the the other book before the Golden Kite, and we have the Golden Kite. And people seem to really enjoy the Golden Kite. Um, and you're going to be doing a book signing on in March. You said right. right. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. now the book signing is going to be that's going to be somewhere in New York, correct? Well, that's going to be, um, you know, I didn't get all the details, but that's going to be actually in Arizona, you know. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. You get in Arizona slow, too. I lived there for a while. But, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I like Arizona. Arizona is actually <laughs> nice, though. It's, it, uh, the, the, the air quality is what is much better. Uh, that much I do know. Uh, but mm-hmm. nice, though. Nice. What part of Arizona? Phoenix. Phoenix, right in the heart. Got you. Right. right. Got you. Yeah, good old Phoenix. I, I wouldn't mind moving back there though, just for the air quality and 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 some of the other things that they have going on. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so okay, cool. So you have to fly out there to do the book signing, and uh, then after that, what is going to be the next project or or a thing for Miss Jarvis? Well, like I said, um, I'm working on um, you know, the Dolly the Singing Train, and um. Um, I've been working on that, you know, it's, it's finished, but I have to make, uh, a lot of, um, 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 adjustments, you know, to the story, um, that, you know, when you, you, when you set out and you write it, then you come back and you're like, Oh, what happened here? You know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, um, so, so you do your own editing. Is, is, is that what I'm hearing? Well, um, um, not now. I'm I'm saying, you know, even though I still do my own editing, I'm gonna send it in. Okay. You know, to okay. have it. Yeah. I'm gonna okay. have it um, you know, editing. But even though, you know, I'm gonna send it in, I, I, I still like to um, you know, uh make the corrections. Um um, you know, if uh if it's something you know that uh that I could, you know, that I that that I could do. I still like to do that. Nice, nice. I like it, uh, Miss Jarvis. Um, I will one day myself because I'm finding that I'm. I've been interviewing a lot of authors lately, mm. and and uh, I feel like now it's time for me to step into that class. Is just again, you know, where do you where do you begin? Because I've never want, gone through the process before, but uh, I would love to compile a book of uh, short poems, 
and publish it and see what people have to say about it. Because people have read some of my writings and they absolutely, you know, love it. But uh, oh, I just haven't put oh, it in. Oh, let me know. Let yeah, me know. Yeah, I just yeah, haven't put it in book I, I form wanna, I want a personal autograph thing on that <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds nice. You know, that like you know, like I said, it was my mother who, you know, um who motivated me, you know, to, you know, to write, um, to do my 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 first novel or poems. You know, at that time I didn't I didn't even think about doing uh children's uh stories until later on. You know, she was telling me, Oh, you should, you know, see can you get this work published? And I didn't even think about that, you know, until, you know, um and even now, you know, my mother, she um, she suffered from um, she has um, dementia, but uh, she still liked to, you know, to to read the book. <laughs> you know, I read it to her some of the poems. She still likes that. Nice, nice. So, even after a forty year career of helping the homeless, you still have your hands full. You got your, you know, you're helping uh, mom. You still writing your, your books. Uh, you're flying out uh, for book signings. You got your websites. Uh, you got your books in uh, some of the larger retail chains, uh, such as Walmart. And I want to, I want to, I want to plug you here. Uh, so again, for those that are listening to, that will listen to this particular episode, uh, make sure that you pick up the Golden Kite. Uh, Ms. Jarvis said that you can find it in Walmart. Uh, I believe Barnes and Nobles was another one that she mentioned, and of course, you can purchase the book on Amazon. Uh, it will definitely help her out a lot if she can uh, get you guys to really support her. And uh, yeah, def- definitely do that. I'm all for authors or anybody that is doing something um, in terms of content or creating something from uh, absolutely nothing. So, um, but yeah, so absolutely you want to definitely check out and uh, help out Miss uh, Miss Miss Sandy um, in that regard. And um, But anything, any other thing that she's doing as well, one of the things I neglected to ask you was, do you have a website, a, a specific website that, uh, you know, we can kind of go to? It's called uh, MagicalBookstore.com. You know, actually, I, I um, believe it or not, uh, I had been paying for this website and um, I said, let me, you know, I just start to, um, uh, to um, you know, uh, design it. Uh, a couple of days ago, <laughs> and so I was lazy about that. But um, now um, you could also go to you know magicalbookstore.com. Magicalbookstore.com, absolutely. Okay. Um, we are about at the end, and you gave us quite a bit of information. And again, I just want to thank you again for your service in helping uh, the homeless, HIV/AIDS patients. Um, those with mental health um, disorders, things like that. Uh, because again, that is not a, it's not a glamorous job, number one. And then number two, it can be a very strenuous uh, job at the same time, mentally uh, debilitating, you know, through the ins and outs. Because each case, I'm sure, is different. Each individual is different. Their mindset is different. The set of circumstances is different. And you got to be able to have somewhat of a thick skin and be somebody that uses, a, um, uses um, active listening to be able to help the people in the best manner possible and to just let people kind of breathe, you know, for a minute. Um, right. Yes. You know, that's, 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 that's a skill that either you're born with or you have to develop over time. And, um, I'm sure you, you, you did that because there's no way in hell <laughs> that you could have <laughs> been in 40 years of service to not, not being able to have those, those skills. <laughs> So, so definitely thank you uh, so much for doing that. If anybody else hasn't told you about that particular service, oh, but yeah. again, yeah. but it's, I want to thank you so much, you know, for, um, you know, having me on your show today and, um, you know, allow me to talk about, uh, you know, the homeless and, you know, my, my book, uh, the golden kite. Absolutely. Um, any other parting words, um, for the listening audience as we kind of close this out? Um, you know, I, um, you know, I would like to say that, um, you know, for, um, you know, anyone that's um, trying to pursue their dream, um, um, uh, don't let anything stop you. You know, that that happened to me, um, you know. Um, so uh, don't, um, you know, network, surround yourself with uh, 
people that support you. Um, and don't give up. That's the main thing. You know, don't give up, if, um, especially if this is something that you want to do. Um, go ahead and, you know, and do it. And um, just, um, you know, um, I always say, you know, uh, go after what you want. Perfectly said. Uh, so this has been another episode of the All Things Black podcast. Before we leave, I do want to leave you guys with uh, a bit of very informative information, uh, one of which is the Black Podcasters Association, which I'm a member of. It is a group or a collective of black uh, professionals that are entering the podcast space to um, kind of broaden the landscape as far as what podcasters appear to be. Typically, most podcasters, especially when it first started, was, um, you know, white male um, Upper, mm. upper, you know, upper educated, um, wow, incomes, yeah. and you know, uh, certain economy, um, things like that, right? Certain income, things like that. But now we are looking to kind of um, change that narrative. Uh, there's a there's a group of professionals. It's, it's growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, the it, who it's affiliated with is uh, is Afros and Audios. Afros and Audios basically is a collective as well of podcasters that hold annual events. We just had one that was in Pennsylvania not too long ago, and we just converge and then share ideas and um, and resources and things like that. So you definitely want to look out for that. And one last bit of information, uh, we're, we're, we're coming into the new year, and of course everybody has their resolutions and, and things like that, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. then all, after the after the the January, the month of January is gone. We're going to be into February. February, of mm. course, has been considered as Black History Month, right? Okay. Um, we only get 28 days out of out of that. Mm. But of that 28 days, there's going to be a crowning event, um, which is called Savior's Day. And that's going to be held, I believe, in Chicago. Um, Savior's Day is the crowning event of Black History Month. And it's always on tw- uh, February the 26th. I'm going to be posting information about that on my social media pages and other pages where people can partake of that information. And Miss Sandy, I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show, for participating uh, on my show, and for asking and for, for giving of yourself as much as you possibly could. And I definitely want to, you know, open give you an, uh, an open invitation, especially after your book signing. I really want to know how, what that was like after you complete that. And okay. uh, yeah, so you definitely want to come back. I'm, yeah, I want to invite you back to hear about the book oh, signing. Oh wow! Because okay. that's your that's your nice. first that's that'll be your first book signing, right? Well, um, for this book, yes. Okay, for that book. Okay, got right, it. right, right. Okay, you know, right. I um, you know, for King Maestro and, and you know, and Chalk and and one thing, you know, I met my illustrator. He also was uh, uh, a case manager, believe it or not, but he passed away. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he was, you know, if you see the cover of King Maestro in Chalk, and he was a case manager. And I just walked up to him and, you know, because um, um, he was a known, you know, very professional um, artist at the job. And I just asked him, I said, can you um, do illustrations for me? And he said, yeah, okay. And um, that's how that happened. But we... Um, oh, so he did the cover? Right, he did the cover and in the back of the cover, and there's several illustrations in the book for King Maestro and Chuck. But um, it's amazing, you know. And um, he would take his lunch hour and go to, you know, there's a park on 14th Street and do the illustrations. Wow. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah. So I was looking at that. And I'm like, man, that's, a, that's he did. He, so he's that was very detailed. You talking about a German Shepherd and a, and a parrot. Right, right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and he would just, you know, he during his lunch hour and everything. And we were not, you know, um, we were not, you know, very close, you know, other than I said, let me ask him. I need an illustrator. Let me just go up to, you know, I call him, you know, his name is Mr. Hall. Let me go up there and see if he helped me out on this. <laughs> so you have to, you know, take a chance, you know. Um, that's another thing. Okay, absolutely. I, I definitely 100% agree with you, which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons I'm taking a chance at this podcast. I'm I'm no way in shape for him a uh, a uh, somebody would host anything, but 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 yeah, you I know, mean, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank yeah. you very yeah, much. Thank you very much. Excellent, very you know, um, a great job. Uh, um, so 
Yeah, I, I definitely uh, thank you. It's just more powerful the course because I, I, I well, I'm, I will, I'll, I'll talk about that another date. But, but yeah, this is a it's a labor of love for right now, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm thinking big uh, with this one. But yeah, so so great to have you on the show, and I want to thank you again for uh, once again for accepting the invitation and also corresponding with me um, outside of the podcast itself. And uh, I want to invite you back, like I said. So after the book signing, um, we'll, we'll we'll connect once again. Oh, that'd and, be so nice. Yeah. I, I want to thank you, you know, because like I said, I, I, well, I guess, you know, in a way you could tell this is, um, I think this is maybe my third interview. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, comfortable. Like I said, you know, I'm, um, it's writing, you know, and um so um, that that will be you know that'd be nice to talk about um, the book signing. Nice, nice, absolutely. Well, um, thank you uh, again. This has been the All Things Black podcast. I have been your host, Mr. Black Ovation, and we are out. Mm-hmm.